forget. Plan B. Okay, we're going to look at a new series. Well, it's the same series, different subject. Still talking about Christian pitfalls. Different things that we can fall into if we're not careful. And we do need to be careful. And this one is the pitfall of pity parties. Uh, the, the verse I have to start out with is Nehemiah 8.10. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they were under conviction of their sin, and God didn't want them to be sorrowful because they could get that right with God, and then they could have joy once again. And when we don't have joy, we don't have strength for this uh, journey in life. And we certainly need strength. We need spiritual strength. And a loss of, uh, well, sorrow can steal our joy if we're not careful. So uh, the Lord wants us to make sure we're focused on the right thing. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we are grateful for this time and how your word is rich and can open unto us uh, so many different warnings, pieces of encouragement. And Lord, it really is a practical book. We're grateful that you help us in the here and now. We know if we're saved, we'll go to heaven. But right now, we've, we face some problems, and we need to know how to deal with these things. And Lord, as we look into this subject, I think we'll all find ourselves here somewhere. And we have to be careful because uh, having pity parties can lead to some pretty terrible consequences. And, and yet we don't have to live in this way. We can have victory, and I pray that through these next few weeks, Lord, that you'd help us to have some insight on this topic and and live a life that's a little more pleasing to you because of it, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So again, a pity party is just a term, I think we're all familiar, right, with someone walking around with a a lower lip out. Uh, It's a a term that describes self-pity feeling sorry for ourselves. Ever felt sorry for yourself? I think it happens quite often with a lot of us. That we, you know, things don't go our way and it's, it's like, oh, they don't, they don't like me or this happened to me and God's let me down. We won't say he let us down, but we feel bad. And, uh, So a pity party, according to Oxford Dictionary, is this. An instance of indulging in self-pity or eliciting pity from other people. And that is so true. Sometimes we're feeling sorry for ourselves. And then other times we're just wanting other people to feel sorry for us. So that we're going to lay it on thick and heavy about how bad our problems are and how bad life is and how... You know, obviously the Lord's let us down, right? He hasn't let us down, but we want to say it without saying it. Uh, Let me give you an example of a pity party. Not that we really need any, but when I was five years old, my mom hosted a birthday party for me. It was my fifth birthday. And I remember this birthday party because, uh, you know, because I had a pity party that day. And she had planned some games, and one of those games involved blowing up a balloon. First one that pops their balloon by blowing it up wins the game. Well, that was great. And so I'm blowing up my balloon, and I can still 
I, I still see this to this day. I'm blowing up my balloon, and there's this little hole. Didn't pop, but there's a little defect in the balloon, and air is coming out as I'm blowing it up. And it was blowing up somewhat, but there was air coming out. And obviously, somebody else won. Their balloon popped before my balloon. And I was upset because this wasn't fair. I am the birthday boy. I should win. And if, even if I don't win, I shouldn't have the odds stacked against me by having a hole in my balloon. So what did I do? What a, I don't know what other five-year-olds would do, but I know what I did. I, I left the room and just sat there and pouted and waited for my mommy to come. And she's like, you need to come back to the party. You know, everyone else was having a good time except for me because I was busy having a pity party. My mom didn't want to join the pity party. She wanted the pity party to be over. And I was eliciting, as that definition said, pity from others. Didn't get a whole lot. Mom, mom was very, she was very sympathetic to me and growing up. But she also uh, didn't want me to just sit there and feel sorry for myself. Now, that's a, a, a very, you'd say, a trite example. And did it have eternal consequences? I'm not saying it had eternal consequences, but I still remember it. And there are other times I've had pity parties too. And so have you. Uh, and this is a pitfall that is pretty easy for us to fall into, especially when things don't go our way. And we need to... Uh, to make sure that we don't get into this. So let me just say a few things here. Uh, the Bible doesn't condemn us for having pity on other people. In fact, he encourages that. And I've got a few verses that we're going to look at here. He wants us to show pity to people who have need. And 1 Peter 3.8, he says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. So he's telling every, every Christian, look out for the needs of others when they're hurting. We should show some compassion. We should be con, uh, courteous. We should love as brethren. And part of all this is being pitiful. Showing some pity on other people. Um, that's okay to do. It's okay to help people. I mean, it's not that we're trying to indulge people who are having pity parties, but no, when people have real needs and are hurting, they need some compassion. Aren't you happy that you've received some compassion when you were hurting? And other people need that as well. So God doesn't condemn this. He encourages it. So in Proverbs 19, 17 is another verse. He says, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And he, in that which he hath given, will he pay him again. So here's another idea. So when someone is poor and obviously is talking in this case about they don't have the means that they need, and we have pity upon them. We see in our, in our heartstrings are tugged. We see someone who's disadvantaged. And we say, ah, I need to help this person. 
And uh, we do that, we are lending to the Lord. So God encourages us to have pity on other people. Intervene and help, show some compassion, be courteous, all those things. We also see this is something that God uh, portrayed. And we find this in Psalm 103, verse 13. So God has pity on his children. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That's pretty interesting. The Bible says that the father, a father pities his children. I, I am uh, not of the persuasion that we should raise our, our, our boys to be sissies by any means. We should not. But sometimes if there's a real hurt and we won't acknowledge it, that's not helping them. Say, so, yeah, you're, 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 be a man. Suck it up. Uh, sometimes it's actually quite natural, and the Lord's actually con- condoning this, that a father would actually have pity on his children. It's kind of not natural when a, a father's harsh and bitter and caustic toward his his children. And it says that the Lord pitieth them that fear him. So God has pity on us, and, and uh, I'm thankful he does. We need that. Also, James chapter 5, verse 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We know the the, the, the story of Job, the account of Job is a better way to say it. Here, he, he lost so many things that were precious to him. And he went through, wow, just terrible, terrible trials. And he struggled with it. And his friends came along and, and they were saying, well, you have all these problems because you're a wicked heathen. And no, God had allowed him to have those problems and you get this idea, well, why was God just sitting up there in heaven, you know, saying, here, I'll just see how Job handles this one. Let me send him this problem. Oh, he lost all his kids. Let me see how he handles this problem. God didn't have that attitude toward Job. God loved Job. God cared for Job. And yes, God was testing him and trying him because he had a goal in mind, and he knew he was going to bless Job more in the end than he was even blessed in the beginning. And he was blessed quite a bit in the beginning. And God blessed him even more, twice as much. But we see that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He did not get a kick out of seeing his kids go through hard times. God loves his children and he empathizes with them and he longs for us to to trust him through our trials so that in the end he can show even more grace and more mercy and more compassion. So God's very pitiful, the scripture says. The time that showing pity, though, can, can be problematic is when we show it to ourselves. Scripture says God shows pity to his children. Scripture teaches that we should show pity toward other people who have needs, but I've not found any place in Scripture where it says that we ought to have pity for ourselves. 
So not only do I not see that we should do it in Scripture, Scripture doesn't teach us to do that. The Scripture doesn't suggest that we do that. But on top of all of that, I see some great detriment when we do show pity for ourselves and pout and wallow in our problems. So when we begin to focus on ourselves, um, we tend to, what we're doing was a heading towards sin. And pity parties usually result in some form of sin. And we'll see as we go along here, we get into our first point. Uh, when we feel sorry for ourselves, we, can, we tend to complain, don't we? Things aren't going well. Or we get angry. We're just, we're, 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 we got a hair trigger. Um, we can become bitter at people. We can become bitter at God. We can become discontent. Sometimes we question God. And other times we just feel sorry for ourselves. Well, what's the use? I'm not going to try anymore, Right? If someone doesn't appreciate me, well, then I'm not going to give them anything to appreciate. Huh? Ever been there? Yeah. Well, I tried, and they don't like it. Well, tough. They're not going to get it anymore. I was going to serve in this ministry, and I was trying, but I got criticized. So, fine. I'm not going to help. I'm out of here. And, oh, it just goes downhill pretty quickly. Pity parties really stem from another sin. The sin of pride. Selfishness. Right? We think that we deserve better treatment. We deserve more favorable circumstances. I don't know about you, but I think I deserve the best all the time. Right? I want the best. Don't you, don't you want the best? Don't you want everyone to, to smile at you and greet you and, and say nice things to you and about you? I want that. Does that happen? Not always. And when things don't go just the way we, we think, we're like, well, no. Now, you know, as Christians, we know we're supposed to say, I don't deserve anything. I'm just thankful to be saved. I deserve to go to hell, and, and, and I understand all that. But then when someone mistreats us just a little bit, uh, so I don't deserve that. Yeah. We, we, be, we, we become self-centered. So I want to consider some people in the Bible who face some problems. And then we're going to see how these people reacted. And, and um, some of them had these problems and they had pity parties, just like we do. But then others decided, well, some of them started to have a pity party and then snapped out of it and decided there was a better option. Instead of have a pity party, they were going to have a prayer meeting. And uh, we're just going to look at some of these things as we go along here and hope it'll be a help to you. So the first point is this, problems in the pit. <laughs> All right? If you find yourself in a pity party, uh, these are some things that could result because they resulted in the lives of other people. I want you to see and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're just going to go through them as, as we have time and, and see how far we get. I'm in no rush. I want to make sure we can cover these things uh, in, in, a, in a good, uh, meaningful way. Problems in the pit. So we're going to look, first guy that we're going to 
talk about is Elijah. He had a pity party, and it led to depression. It led to depression. So if you've got your hand out, you've got your first answer right there. Elijah's pity party led to depression. Pick it up here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain the prophets with a sword. So Elijah had a great victory. I mean, he's up on Mount Carmel, praying down fire from heaven. He, you know, wins the contest, and, and God's sending out his blessings, and the, the false prophets are, are slain. And then, um, yeah, then Ahab, the king, tells Jezebel about it. Then, verse number two, then Jezebel sent a message, messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, you killed all these false prophets. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to make sure you're dead. So what does he do? Verse number three, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested him for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than the life of my fathers. Actually, it wasn't enough. He said it is enough. It wasn't enough because God wasn't finished with him. But he was finished. I served you. We had great victory, Lord. Now they want to kill me. So I'm done. I'm done. Uh, it's not uncommon, people, that when we have problems, we get discouraged and just want to quit. That's just kind of life. But we can't stay in that uh, condition. He sat down, he wanted to quit, and he hoped to die. He even asked God to kill him. Now, he, he didn't want to kill himself, but he just wanted God to take care of it. He figured he was going to die anyway because Jezebel was after him, so he'd rather have God take him than have a woman take him out. That was probably, I don't know, I'm guessing that's what he was thinking. Uh, but his pity party, notice what it did. It caused him to withdraw from everybody. He went into hiding, and he withdrew from everybody else. He went into the wilderness, and he felt sorry for himself. And that's, a, that's pretty typical. When you withdraw from every, I don't want to go to church. But you need church. Yeah, but I don't want to go to church. Yeah, but you need the fellowship. I don't, I don't want to be around people. When you don't want to be around people, not a good sign. It's a sign that you're probably having a pity party. And uh, isolation is not good for us. We're created to have fellowship with one another. God wants us to have fellowship with one another. And he wants us uh, to serve the brethren. Further, he wants us to witness to the lost. He wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. How are we going to help one another? How are we going to... Uh, present the gospel to the lost when we withdraw and we're hiding and we're focusing on ourselves, having a pity party. We can't. 
We can't do any of those things that God wants us to do. We, we render ourselves useless to the Lord when we feel sorry for ourselves. And there's a whole bunch of reasons to feel sorry for ourselves, right? We've planned, we've saved, we've been giving, and then some financial monkey wrench comes into the mix and is like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to pay bills. I'm not, Lord, you let me down. God doesn't let us down. We have problems in our families, in marriages, with children, whatever it is, and we get discouraged with, with extended families, and it's, it's, it's a battle, and some people never seem to understand us or, or whatever. And, and the extended family criticizes how we, we live the Christian life and how we raise our children and all of that. And, and it wears on us. We feel sorry for ourselves. Let me just say this. When you want to stay home from church, that's the time you need to be in church the most. Just mark it down. When I don't feel like being in church, I need it more than ever. Just go to church. So I don't feel like it. Tough. Do you always feel like going to work? No, but you know you're going to get fired if you don't, so you go. You actually like money at the end of the week, so you know you're not going to have any money at the end of the week if you don't go to work. So what do you do? You get up and you make yourself go to work. You want to? No, I don't want to go to work. Just do it anyway. Well, I don't want to go to church, so I'll just stay home. I don't have a boss that's going to, you know, do anything about it. Oh, I think there's a big boss up there that might do something about it. And it's not going to help us, right? So we want to, we get discouraged. We have a pity party. We want to stay home from church. We want to uh, just, we don't want to go to those church activities. You know, they're going to go have fun. I don't feel like having fun. I'm trying to have a pity party. Why would I want to ruin a perfectly good pity party by going around and having fellowship with the brethren? I'm just going to stay at home and suck my thumb. Now, we laugh, but... That's how we act sometimes. I already mentioned, we withdraw from, from opportunities to serve in the ministry. We do all, any or all of those things, and it's a very bad sign. You know, depression is the opposite of joy. <laughs> and uh, having a pity party will bring us into depression, and it will rob us of the joy uh, that God wants us to have. It robs us of opportunities uh, to rejoice because when we're a blessing to others, right? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when we're giving to others, we, we can rejoice. We can, we, we're going to be happier than we're, when we're on the take. But when we're having a pity party, we're not giving. And we're not then going to receive those blessings from the Lord. Now, thankfully, we're not going to read the rest of the story. If you want to, sometime you can. Elijah listened to the Lord's promptings to get back to a place of service, uh, and he did. And so he got out of this pity party. Praise the Lord. Amen? But not all pity parties are that way. Not everybody recovers from their pity parties. So now I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter number 21. Now, this guy we just talked about, Ahab. Ahab was married to Jezebel, wicked king, wicked queen. And 
God put this account in here of Ahab. So we're going to see Ahab's pity party. Now we know that he did not trust the Lord. So we, we already know that this pity party is not going to end well. Because he was not someone who wanted to uh, follow the Lord. So in uh, 1 Kings chapter 21, we begin here in verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. So here's the king. He's the king. And kings have power. And he comes to Naboth and said, hey, you got a vineyard here, and it's really close to my house, and I want it. And I'll trade you, I'll give you another vineyard somewhere else, or I'll give you some money for it, whichever you want, but this is real close to my house, and I don't want a vineyard there, I want to tear out that vineyard, and I want a garden of herbs. There's selfish king, thinking he deserves everything just because he's the king. And isn't that typical of so many people? They want power, they want authority, and when they get that, what do they do? They abuse the, their, the people under them, right? We don't elect our officials to abuse us. We elect them to represent us and help us. Oh, but not so in so many cases. Well, in verse number three, and Abel said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me. He said, God said no. Oh, wait a minute. I'm the king. Yeah, but the king, the real king, the king of kings told me, no, God, God forbid. He, 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 won't, he doesn't want this to happen. The Lord forbid it that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. See, it wasn't just a vineyard to Naboth. This was the inheritance of his fathers. This was uh, something in the, in, in the Jewish um, culture that you pass down from one generation to the next what your, your family had given and it wasn't, just a, it wasn't just a vineyard it was his inheritance that he had received from his forefathers that he had planned to give to his children uh, so he's like nope I don't think this is going to happen um, verse number four and Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he, this is talking about Ahab, laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Yeah, the children have that song, the poochy lip disease. Stuck his lower lip out, turned his head and said, no, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm just going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. I didn't get my way. Here's a grown man. Didn't get his way. So he is pouting. And so what did this lead to? It led to lethargy. Just sat there and felt sorry for himself. Led to a loss of appetite. You know, when you get in a pity party, you can lose an appetite. Other people, it goes the other way. They just eat way too much 
and then they balloon. It's like, I wonder how that happened. Uh, but in most cases, though, self-pity zaps our, our physical and our emotional strength. No strength to go on and do anything that we should be doing in serving the Lord. Well, Jezebel wasn't uh, real happy, and she comes by and says, hey, you know, you're the king. If you want this, you should have this. Um, and what happened? Jezebel and, and Ahab conspire and put Naboth to death, killed him, and snatched the inheritance that uh, didn't belong to him and stole the, the vineyard just so he could have it for himself. Isn't that a blessing? No, it's not a blessing. Selfishness will take us to the depths of sin if we're not careful. Well, we pick it up here in chapter 21, verse 17. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth. Now, in God's eyes, whose vineyard was it still? It was Naboth's. It was still in the family. Ahab thinks he's got it. He says whether he is go down to possess it. He went down to take something that's not his. He said in verse 19, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall the dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Ahab, you're a marked man. You are a marked man. Uh, so a good man, Naboth, needlessly lost his life because somebody with power had a pity party. Oh, we better be careful not to have pity parties. And if God's entrusted us any power, husbands, if, 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 men, if you're a husband... Don't have a pity party and abuse your wife because you didn't get your way. If parents don't uh, lash out at your children because you didn't get their, your way and they didn't do everything you want them to do. Oh, yes, there's discipline, there's correction. I understand all that, but we don't lash out and have pity for ourselves and, and abuse people. Uh, bosses, if you're a boss, oh, he didn't do his job right. Well, I'm going to get him. I don't see that. I don't see that. Uh, teachers, same thing. You know, people don't realize how deep uh, into sin self-pity can take them. And here's a perfect example. You've got Ahab who feels sorry for himself. He didn't get what he wanted. Him and his wife, wicked wife, get together and, and they plot and plan. And they get their way, but in the end... Um, yeah, it's not going not gonna to go well for them. Look in verse uh, number 12. Well, it says, uh, I will beho Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and take away thy posterity and will cut off 
uh, from Ahab. So he's going he's gonna to cut off the, the family of Ahab. And then verse 23, and also, uh, of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Oh yeah? Well, I got something p- picked out for you, Jezebel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. So, hmm. Pity parties are the one kind of party that doesn't bring lasting pleasure. Didn't end too well for them, did it? Uh, things uh, got worse. You know, he was having a pity party. And who joined that pity party? His wife did. All right? And that's another lesson. That's another lesson altogether. Husbands and wives, when one is having a pity party, the best thing you can do for each other is not join their pity party. Because we, we just saw what happened here. Jezebel joined Ahab's pity party, and it got a lot worse from there. I mean, over the years, I've invited my wife to some pity parties. Oh, yeah. I discovered that the ones that she attended were very successful They made me feel worse, and they succeeded to get her discouraged too. Right? The ones that she decided to skip and not to attend, those pity parties didn't seem to last as long. They weren't quite as successful, so I'm happy she didn't attend them. Amen? And so um, we just need to remember that. uh, And the same thing vice versa happened with my wife and I also. Uh, The point is that we need to help each other out of the pit, not join them in it. And that was the problem with Ahab and Jezebel. The Bible says in in, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow but woe to him that is alone that when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. God intends us to pull one another out of the pit, not push them in it or to join them in it. All right, so that's uh, the second uh, person. So we looked at Elijah. His pity party led to depression. We see Ahab. His pity party led to a disinterest in life. He just didn't want to... He didn't want to keep going on. He just sat there and pouted and lost strength, lost appetite, didn't, just didn't feel like doing anything. And that's what happens to us as well. Obviously, it led to worse problems. Let's look at the third one, and I think we'll only have time for this one. Uh, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 22. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. This is the pity party of Saul. Uh, his pity party led to delusion. Now, delusion is some, believing something that's not necessarily true. You're believing something that's false. And uh, we find this in, in, in 1 Samuel 22, verse number 8. Of course, he's against David. He's hunting down David and... and uh, David's getting away, he's escaping, and all of that. And we find it in verse number 8, that all of you, he's talking to his, his men, his soldiers, and, and his 
his group there, all, all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse, that was David, and there is none of you that is sorry for me or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant, his servant David, against me to lie in wait as at that, that, this day. Well, first of all, David wasn't lying in wait to kill him, so he was all wrong there. And did you get that? He says, there's none of you that is sorry for me. None of you feel sorry for me. I hate David. He's done nothing wrong, but I hate him. And he's, he's, against, he's against me. He wasn't against Saul. And I'm after him. I'm trying to kill him. And he keeps getting away. And, none of, and you guys are helping him get away. You, you guys are all against him. And none of you feel sorry for me. This guy turned into a nutcase. He was extremely paranoid. And uh, he was... He was living in a life of delusion. And that's where it'll lead you. You get into having a pity party, you're just going to feel sorry for yourself and think everybody's against you and nobody's sorry for me and you're going to get mad at the world. And this is where Saul was. Say, no, it wouldn't get that way. It gets that way a lot with people. And so... um, Pick it up here in verse 17. So he's angry. Uh, and he says there, and the king said unto the footman that, so I'm skipping a little bit here. Um, he gathers, let, let me just, uh, we'll just start in verse 17. And the king said unto the footman that stood about him, turn and slay the priests of the Lord because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall on the priests of the Lord. You see where this had gotten? Uh, Saul had this pity party and he feels so sorry for himself. And now he's thinking that all the priests are against him. And not only did his soldiers conspire against him and no one's feeling sorry for themselves. And he finds out that, that David had... Had, had been near the priests and that the priests were hiding this from him too. And they were like, well, all right, all you soldiers, just go and kill the priests. I mean, the men of God, verse number 18. But they didn't want to do that. His soldiers didn't want to do that because they knew better. And the king said unto Doeg, uh, turn thou and fall upon the priests. And Doeg, the Edomite, see he was not a Jew, he was from Edom, turned and fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. That's 85 priests. Saul, get this, murdered 85 men of God because he thought they were against him because he was having a pity party. I'll make this statement. Once self becomes the focus, everybody else becomes an enemy. Mark that down. Once you become the focus 
of your attention, everybody else will become your enemy because it's all about you. And everybody else who crosses me, they're the problem. No, they weren't the problem. His soldiers weren't the problem. The priests weren't the problem. Saul was the problem. And even good people become the enemy. So beware. Saul's pity party ended on the battlefield one day. He fell on his own sword. He was injured, but he decided to take his own life. Pity party was over. Didn't end well. And pity parties don't end well. Unless we end them before they end us. So let's continue uh, this next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us to be aware that we can become so selfish that it can lead to a lot of other sins. And when we feel sorry for ourselves and think that everybody else is against us and the whole church is compromised or our whole family is against us or everybody at work hates us. Oh, what a horrible, horrible, selfish, wicked place to be because it'll lead us into some pretty deep, dark sins. I pray that you'd spare us from even entertaining the thought of having a pity party for very long. And Lord, uh, when we do, I pray that there'll be others who will not join the pity party, but will help us out of it. 